0: Welcome to the Interop, the show that's all about exploring the decentralized economic networks that make up the Interchain. My name is Sebastian Couture, and I'm here today with Ismail Kofi of Celestia. Hey, Ismail.
1: Hey, nice to be here.
0: Thanks for thanks for joining me on uh, on today's podcast. We're going to dive deep into Celestia, and uh, I, you know I want to talk a lot about like this whole modular blockchain paradigm because. It's becoming more and more present. A lot of people are talking about it. Like it's been around for a while, but it feels like now it's really part of, you know, the Cosmos narrative. Um, but before we talk about that, I do want to spend just a moment uh, talking about Nebular Summit. So the Interop and Interop Ventures are organizing Nebular Summit in Paris. It's happening on July 22nd. It's the day right after ECC. So this is a full day conference, and we're going to be celebrating the Cosmos ecosystem. And you'll be joining about 40 speakers forming really the creme de la creme of the Cosmos and interchain ecosystem. In fact, your colleague, uh, Evan Forbes, uh, will be speaking at the conference, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of things related to Cosmos, like modular blockchain design, cross-chain DeFi, interoperability, privacy, upgrades to the Cosmos hub. There's going to be people from you know the, the ICF and also uh, informal systems there as well, and a number of French and international teams. Um, we're going to be having talks, panels, and also technical workshops. If you want to get a little bit more technical, and this is all happening at La Caserne, which is, uh, French for fire station. And it is Paris's oldest (laughs) fire station. It's a super cool venue. I'm so excited. We're doing it here. And, uh, at the end of the day, we'll have a cocktail on the roof of the building, so you can see the full list of speakers at, on nebular.paris. The agenda will be coming out very shortly, probably next week. And tickets are only 35 euros until the end of the month. And then they'll go up to 50. So it's really affordable. So if you're uh, coming to ECC in July, or if you're in Europe mid-July, or hey, if you want to just like come over from the States or wherever uh, to come to um, to Nebular Summit, I'd love to have you there. Um, and yeah, because it's going to be the first Cosmos conference in France, and hopefully not the last. Uh, so nebula.paris is where you can get more info. Uh, and hopefully you'll be there too. We were talking earlier, just before uh, we went live, that you were yeah. debating whether or not to make the trip from Berlin. Yeah, you
1: made me, you made me formal now even more. <laughs> <laughs> never, never know, Sam, it sounds sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, we'll, I mean there it, will it, be I, like a lot of. Uh, a lot of good uh, speakers and a lot of people that I would love to see, and it sounds like an amazing event. Um, so maybe I'll reschedule my travel and try to to come as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll make it worth your while if you if you come to Paris and like spend two days, we'll we'll hook you up with some cool stuff to do for sure. <laughs> awesome, um, awesome. Yeah. So I mean, it's been a long time since we've chatted. Uh, I think I don't remember when's the last time we saw each other, but uh, I was going back and you know looking at uh you know the interview that you did with epicenter about a year and a half ago i think and um you know i wasn't on that interview but i, I remember doing the intro and like listening to it and thinking that ah, this is really cool and you know um back then the project was called lazy ledger and it's been rebranded since then to celestia so you know before we go into that maybe like tell us a bit about your background like your time at tendermint and how you transitioned to working on uh, celestia
1: Sure. Um, so my my background uh, is like I studied mathematics originally, and uh, pretty soon as a student started uh, uh, to work almost full time as a, as a software engineer, and uh, financed my studies with that. And uh, yeah, from from there, it's been like a, a back and forth between research institutes or like academia and um, enterprises, and I. I think you mentioned Tendermint, so let's let's jump in there directly. Um, after a brief detour to academia, I I, I think I um, it is it is essentially Zaki who brought me into Tendermint. Uh, I mean, I've been following the project for a while, um, like here and there, looking into it. I think the first time I heard about Tendermint, um, I was still in Switzerland at a university doing. I was working as a research engineer. Um, that was actually, in fact, the first job uh, I had where I worked remotely on like crypto um, and we worked on a research paper called uh, 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 scaling. Like basically, uh, we tried to scale Bitcoin. Um, so it's called Bitcoin. Um, but um, yeah, the first thing I saw that Tenement uh, in, the, in the repository um, was actually Bucky's poem. In the uh, uh repo back then it was called Mercurialize I think now it's IVL maybe. Um, uh, know it was like he poem... put a
0: poem in the in the repo. Yeah, yeah it's like a
1: song a Tanuki one.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the first <laughs> I thing I this. saw and I was
1: like ah these 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 guys sound funny and uh, don't take themselves too seriously and yeah I, I immediately sympathized with like. The approach because they were doing obviously they were doing research and and I, and I remember skimming through Bucky's master thesis, but at the same time they were actually also implementing what they were doing and uh, in, uh, building a company around it, right? Like and uh, much later I, I, I looked more into what like Jay wrote up and uh, was intrigued, but it was Zaki who. Um, Mentioned to me while I was in London, I was doing an internship. So I started briefly a PhD in University of Bonn as well. And I did an internship at Google at the time. And I met Zaki in person for the first time then in London. We went to a pub, had some beers, and he's like, Yeah, he'll he'll he is planning to join Tenemmin soon. He's already working with the team. It's a great team. <clears throat> and Sorry. And he was already hinting that like, maybe you should join as well. It will be it will be uh, worth your time and uh, very interesting. And he was right. (laughs) So a few months, I think like six months later, I reached out to him again, he made the connection to Bucky uh, had an interview and then uh, worked at Tenement. Um, First on the libraries part uh, mostly serialization deserialization a bit on ivl as well um later on tenement core and yeah i, I think i left tenement shortly after launch again like one and a half years later i think and um yeah yeah i and remember then, seeing uh, you
0: at uh, I, I remember seeing you at full node like at one of these full node yeah yeah we bumped into in each Berlin other and, and- and you were leaving or had just left or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I tried to take like some form of sabbatical or some time off. Uh, not not very successfully. I started working on, uh, a, on a paper with friends from uh, TU in Berlin and um, <laughs> also briefly started a validator with friends. Um, and yeah, I met I met Mustafa again. Not 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 long. After I quit, I think I left in July, maybe, and I met Mustafa again at the uh chaos communication camp near Berlin. It's a, it's like a hacker uh festival, you could say, um, with like tents and like we 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 were talking, I think with Mustafa and Jeff Burgess from Web3, we were talking about uh uh, uh what like Pocala does and Mustafa was like telling trying to between loud techno music, trying to explain me, Lazy Ledger, the paper. <laughs> I didn't fully. So I didn't, you do it I in like, Berlin,
0: yeah. Just like you're always <laughs> explaining blockchains to people like with some loud techno music. Yeah, yeah.
1: And um, yeah, and then uh, um, I think he hinted at, that uh, Jay reached out to him at the time. And uh, I was like half joking. He's like, ah, oh, when when are you joining Tenement or Cosmos? And he's like, nah, I want to do my own thing. Then he explained Lazy Ledger. And then in the end, he asked me like, maybe uh, if that's interesting to you, uh, maybe you want to be a co-founder. And then, yeah, I, I, I obviously didn't understand much uh, at during that loud uh, conversation, like surrounded by by techno music conversation. But I looked into the paper, and it was the first time that I thought this might actually work in terms of scalability. Um, I was always I was always like intrigued by blockchains or like the idea of of uh, um, decentralized coordination or, or computation or decentralized applications uh, of sorts, but I was also very skeptical that it will ever really scale to like a like a global scale. And when I read the paper, I was like, actually, this is simple enough from like com- conceptually. And um, um, yeah, it was the first time I was convinced that this might actually work and take off and uh, scale to to a global scale. Yeah. Okay, and then,
0: cool. and, and so the, the rebrand to Celestia, is, is it like purely a rebrand or, or are there any other changes? Um, I mean, it's, it's basically just like you rebranded Lazy Ledger to Celestia. You didn't like change the project or the vision or anything like that. That remains the same.
1: Um, yes and no. <laughs> I feel, I feel so the vision remains the same. Uh, but I feel because if, if you look into Mustafa's academic paper, uh, the Lazy Ledger paper, um, there are a few open questions. And I think the the, the the only, like, the most missing piece to the puzzle was, like, how do you do like clients? And um, that wasn't, like, resolved in the, in the original academic paper. So I would say um, with the emergence or, like, the idea to use rollups for the applications instead of, so let me go, like, the original paper. Um, mentions you do client-side execution or like client-side smart contracts, I think it's called. And then these these applications that run these like client-side execution, they post the transactions directly to Celestia. And um, and then it's like very unclear how to do rollups. I think back then when I read the paper the first time, I thought like hmm, do the clients have to do consensus? Like a small set of consensus themselves. So how does that work? And then yeah, and then uh, short not not much after um, um, basically we like John also came on board and uh, we agreed to 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 be like founders of this project. Not 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 long after um, there was um, DevCon and I went actually to a meditation retreat for ten days. And I came back and then everyone was talking about rollups, rollups, rollups here, rollups, rollups there. And Mustafa and John is like, yeah, easy. Actually, like client solve, we just do rollups. And um, yeah, so that part, even if it sounds trivial, like a, a rollup is essentially, you, 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 you have another chain and it posts its data uh, uh, onto a data availability layer. And then you have headers, you have block headers and uh, you can do either uh, fraud proofs or uh, validity proofs, and then you can have light claims, right? And uh, that that sounds like a simple change or like a simple addition to the original paper. But it's actually, I would say, it's like a, a, a bigger change. Um, and we made some modifications um, to the, uh, I would say we made some decisions, some design decisions to the original design to simplify things, to be able to launch earlier. And... Um, uh, also to like we prioritize what is like the key most key thing that we were comfortable like launching with. And so in some sort Celestia is like uh, a subset, I would say, uh, well, like 99% of, of the lazy ledger paper. But at the same time, it is it adds a lot of building blocks on top. So it becomes much clearer how to deploy chains how to run applications on top of uh, celestia so it actually deserves its own name i'd say um okay but it's yeah it feels like it's been it's been
0: <laughs> yeah but i mean it does feel like it's it's sort of been productized to some extent like as a developer yes. product more than just like this data availability layer and roll-ups um you know do uh, like do add this uh, fundamental piece to the puzzle, which is like how do you what well, what is a viable way to execute uh, the transactions exactly. uh, that you post to it so like all these things sort of coming together form um you know the 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 developer product which is uh, Celestia uh, and yeah we'll we'll talk about that as well and like you know I know you guys recently launched your main or, or your testnet. net um, and so um yeah, but like I want to talk about these philosophies. I I was watching, um, I briefly attended the modular summit uh, in in Amsterdam and uh, I didn't see all the talks, but I was watching uh, the talk that Mustafa did uh, with uh, Anatoly of Solana and where they're Mm -hmm. sort of debating the modular and monolithic uh, design paradigms. Uh, It's like, it's really interesting to see them come down to basically like what trust is like, what assumptions they have and, and like, the um, breaking apart the philosophies to arrive at like what are the what's the crux of the difference between these uh, these two visions? And I'm, I want to ask you like what do you see really as the fundamental difference in um, like the core philosophies that these two that these two visions hold? Like this modular vision versus this monolithic vision. And maybe we can just kind of define what that means first. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, a monolithic chain is what um, basically every like traditional layer one does. It does um, um, it does ordering of transactions and ordering like of, of, of creates a block of uh, chain of blocks, right? Like ordering of blocks and ordering of transactions uh, as well, and reaching consensus on those. And then um, also these this, the data, the transactions behind it is also like published to the network for everyone to like. Replay these transactions, recompute the state for full nodes, and um, yeah, and then um, it also executes these transactions, right? Like all the transactions that are posted on chain are executed, and the state is updated. Um, I'd say originally it was even more monolithic. Like, um, 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 for instance, look at Bitcoin; it does like um, every like. it is one application, so to say, right? Like it's one specific application and it does all these three things. And then Ethereum came along and changed the paradigm to um, be able to deploy basically arbitrary programs on top of your chain. And then you had even more transactions to execute because you had like all these different applications and then all these different applications now are competing not only for block space, but also for like execution time on execution Mm -hmm. slots, so to say, right? and um it's also this is this is also monolithic in the sense that yeah it's still like it still acts as this consensus and ex- general purpose now execution layer and um and um the i think we, what we've seen in in like the history of like i mean it feels like forever but it's not that long that blockchains exist and it's like uh, inception with like kind of bitcoin um i'd say um we see more and more of this modularization if, first in software right like where where this you had this like piece of software that was i mean the original like bitcoin uh um deployment so to say is 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 a very prototypish monolith right like and then people came and and uh this month like put like disassembled it into different uh, pieces and and ethereum as well and then more and more and more and more so um in in software and what we're seeing now is the realization that i'd say the realization that like one layer one to serve the whole world doesn't really work and um there's like this this like world computer uh, 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 thing that ethereum kind of was for a while, and like they, I mean, they're shifting their vision as well. But like um, this world computer vision doesn't doesn't really scale, doesn't really work because it's in- impossible to have like all these applications running in a in a in this. If you if you conceptually look at Ethereum, it's still like one monolithic big machine, even if it's decentralized, right? And um, So what a monolithic, uh, what I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm mixing it up, like what a modular blockchain network is like, or what a modular blockchain is, is when you um, take like these core components that a blockchains uh, or these core tasks that a blockchain fulfills, and then you um, disassemble it further, not in software only, um, but rather into different layers, into different uh, chains and networks, essentially. Um, So... Um how we define a modular chain is that like um it outs like the chain outsources um um at least one of its core components to, to uh another chain and doesn't do it itself. Uh so it doesn't do all things like all three like data availability consensus and uh, execution, basically. And um yeah. Maybe
0: what well, one so yeah. one of the arguments that I've heard against this um this design paradigm is that it introduces latency at every layer of the stack. And so if we keep breaking things up and modularizing every aspect of a chain, every one of those pieces has to has to be uh able to send uh data and packets to, to other parts of the stack, which introduces latency and potentially like also um, opportunities for uh, ex- exploits to like for exploitation um, of like security bugs or or things like that or like other sorts of um, like game theory um, like design vulnerabilities. What what do you think of that argument as one that goes against the modular uh, stack approach?
1: Um, I mean, of course, it it uh, by detangling these these uh, components. You could argue that it adds a bit of complexity, but I I don't um, I don't think that in the in the average case you really introduce that much latency. So because like from the ice from the point of view of a user, you submit a transaction, um, let it be like through a rollup, even through like different layers. Uh, 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 um, let's say you don't just use Celestia as the base layer and the uh, um, have a rollup on top but you additionally add in between yet another layer which is a uh, which is like a settlement layer right like which which bridges between rollups and and the users interact with that like uh, uh third layer so to say and um from the point of view of a user I'd argue that it doesn't really matter because like in the happy path usually you submit a transaction the moment um the 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 node you interact with attests that are well included in a block. That's where you usually in the happy path are ha- uh, like you, you, the 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 user story basically ends right. Like only if things go wrong um, in one of the layers is where you have to like recalibrate. But it doesn't intru- so so in the in the usual case it doesn't introduce any latency. I would say from the point of view of a user at least. Um, and like, of course, the machinery in between, so to say, has has there is there is things happening in between. But I think these, first of all, it doesn't impact the user in the usual case, and the trade offs that you add are worth the, the 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 benefits that you gain, which is like more scalability and um, um, basically freedom of like uh, um, an application specific chain
0: are there so i wonder if there are any uh if there's an argument to be made that the um the 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 reasons that users would choose to or the developers would build applications on monolithic chains or on modular blockchains like that the choice comes down to uh the use case and the type of application are there uh are there arguments for for building certain types of applications on a more monolithic type system like like Solana for instance and uh, other applications would be better suited to uh, mod- uh, um, a modular design
1: um in general so in general i think you can build anything that you could build on a monolithic chain on a on a, on a more modular stack without major trade-offs. so there's no like um um there's no like I mean the only reason I could think you prefer to build for instance on on let's let's say Solana because you brought it up like the the only reason you would prefer to build on Solana is if you um want direct like directly interact with the solana token right like you you and you want to tap directly without any bridging or anything directly with that solana ecosystem right like that's the only reason I could think of um <clears throat> where you choose that in favor of of uh, uh, building on some sort of like modular stack right um and yeah there isn't there isn't like one type of application that is necessarily better or worse to be built on uh, uh, on a on a on a, on a, on a uh, modular stack. I mean, the main reason why you'd prefer to build on a modular stack is probably um, like uh, ease of use and and cost, right? And that's probably that's probably very good reasons. Um, I would argue there are a few applications that you'd not rather not uh, you you would rather not deploy on an existing uh, general purpose execution environment like like Solana Ethereum, and um, I think these are like applications where um where let's call them the tail end of of, of like chains where you, you want uh, uh, uh you want a sovereign blockchain um but you don't want to um um you don't want to create your own like cosmos chain for instance because you don't want to um you don't want to assemble a validator set. I mean, you're not assembling yourself, but you have to convince the validators to to validate your chain, right? And let's say it's like a small project, it starts very small, there's no community around it, you start and then slowly you want to build that community and build that momentum and then become bigger and bigger. Or maybe it's intentionally a small project could also be these projects, I think, um, like if you wanted to deploy them on Ethereum, it's too expensive, for instance, if you wanted your own Cosmos chain, um, yeah, you, you'd have to convince validators or run like a bunch of validators in the beginning yourself or something like that. So it's not very like for these chain, like for these kind of applications, you'd, you'd very well. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I think the only choice you basically have will be that. Yeah. Um, Currently, they're not really that feasible, and you could argue that on alternative layer ones, they're also inexpensive to deploy. Maybe that's true in the beginning, but the moment these layer ones gain adoption and they become much more interesting to deploy at, because there's more liquidity, there's more like a larger community, um, it will become more expensive to deploy your application. So it's like then again, it's not that interesting to do it there. So I I'd say like for for smaller projects, particularly, it will be um, the definitely like the go-to solution for um, um, yeah and and, and and as I said like there's no there's no major um, downside on deploying on a modular stack there's no at least I don't yeah I can't think of like a major downside um, to deploying on 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 a uh, uh, monolithic sec. Besides what I said initially is like you want exactly that ecosystem, right? Like you want exactly mm. that that uh, established ecosystem and want to interact with it uh, without any bridging or anything else, right?
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, one, one of the other analogies I've seen here and, you know, I guess here I'm, I'm trying to form a mental model around like what this uh, translates to in like existing software and hardware systems, and mm. one of the things I've heard it compared to is the Linux kernel uh, versus the um, the microkernel um, paradigm. So, in in for for our listeners, I'm, I'm going to try to explain this as, as I understand it. Um, in Linux systems, there are there is the monolithic kernel where um, you have essentially uh, file system, operating system, memory management, and everything is happening inside the Linux kernel. And then applications are simply written on top. And then you have this new paradigm or it's like other paradigm, which is the microkernel where the kernel actually is doing very little. And then all of the system functions are managed at the application layer. Um, in that, it, it, so in this in this realm, I'd say the monolithic kernel um, uh, paradigm has proven to be like the one that has been most adopted most like linux systems and like the ones in your phone and your mac or like most operating systems use this monolithic um uh, monolithic kernel paradigm but like in software development it's totally different like in software development like web development um you know things are very much modularized so like if you look at web development like every part of the stack from the exactly. server all the way up to like You know like the browser render engine is totally modular and i guess i'm i'm unsure like i'm still it's unclear to me whether blockchains fall more in this sort of like hardware analogy because it is very much like a a base layer um for deploying applications so you know like when people talk about the world computer it is it is akin to like a piece of hardware almost for the internet and so it's. Mm yeah, I, 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 I'm try I'm still like forming my my opinion about whether, you know, it should be, um, it should be viewed more as something that's akin like to hardware, or if it's purely like, um, a software stack, or maybe hmm, somewhere. That's a between. very
1: interesting. Yeah, that's a very interesting way to think about it. I mean, if we look at blockchains, what are they? I think they are mostly, um. Of course they are machines right like the state machines and they are like in that sense you're right they're they are like hardware um but i think they are very much more than that are representing a social consensus of 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 like us right like we give these chains basically the 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 um Um, the credibility and and form a community around it. And uh, the the reason why they exist and they have value is because uh, a community of people um, gives them like there's social consensus amongst uh, people that they have value and they have uh, uh, that they follow certain rules as well. Right. So I I doubt that. um, So first of all, I doubt that there will be like one chain that like captures all communities online, and uh, well, second, I, mean,
0: that, I think that's obvious. <laughs> I think yeah, like yeah, that's very obvious. <laughs> you know, any, anyone yeah. who thinks that anyone who thinks that, you know, all of these block like all the blockchains will disappear and there'll only be one left at some yeah. point in time in the future, it, 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 like that thesis. I, I don't <laughs> know how you can still believe in that thesis. Oh, there are
1: many maximalists that believe in that, right? Like that we agree because we are not like I don't know, not Bitcoin maximalists. We aren't like ETH maxis. We aren't like any anything maxis, right? Like Cosmos made us uh, uh, already see like there's there's room for like innovation. There's like many chains. There will always be many chains, and it's 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 it is the present, and uh, it will be the future as well. Um, yeah,
0: but it's, it's it's like I don't I don't know you. It's it's like it's like thinking like in, in it's like having this mindset that you know, in the end there will only be one religion or in the end there will only be one of anything. Like when is there mm. ever just one of anything? <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, um, it's um, it's weird for me to ha- wrap my head around how you could think that this would be the case. Um, yeah, and even
1: even if like, if if we as a human race would like agree on we, we cannot agree on many things, right? Like even if there was way that we like agree on on like most things there will still be like communities that have their purpose and their their reason to exist that are like subcultures or 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 yeah like parts of a larger community and they will have their own means of coordination and uh, um i very much believe that because of that there will be like many chains as well um, but yeah. it, it, coming back to your analogy before, if it's, like, more, like, hardware or the Linux kernel or software, I very much believe it's, like, much more comparable to, um, like, web development, as you said, right? Like, in the in the beginning, um, people who deployed web applications ran their own server. which is like, their own chain, so to say. Um, but then there was, like, a uh, uh, um these these uh, service providers there where you can um deploy your code and and run it there like uh, through a CGI interface or whatever um but then you were tied by like you were limited by the decisions that the server provider made for you right like you had to use a certain programming language or something and then we saw with like um also with cosmos right where you uh it's kind of cosmos is basically going back to the run your own chain but at the same time gives you more freedom of like deploying your own code as you want right and um and celestia is exactly that sweet spot between um um like being able to deploy how you want to like in the programming language you want to there's much more like choices you can do um um you can The state machine can can operate as you want, uh, as your community wants, and uh, but at the same time you have like a common uh, uh, a common source of uh, um, um, security, so to say. Which is yeah, it's interesting interesting. when you
0: talk about this. It makes me think a little bit of what the what the cosmos, well, what the Tendermint vision was, what the Tendermint vision. Mm as I remember it was like you had this, this general consensus layer and then you had like ABCI and ABCI allowed you to run any sort of um, uh, execution layer. Uh, mm. Of course, what has uh, captured you know most of the chains that use Tendermint is like the Cosmos SDK, but there was always this vision that you could use any execution layer on top of Tendermint um so it's interesting that that you guys are also like going in this direction like doesn't it's not surprising that this is also uh part of the vision of celestia so maybe let's yeah let's let's put aside this philosophical stuff which is really interesting but um (laughs) let's let's talk about like what celestia does like the different layers of the stack and like um you know i really want to understand this data sampling um thing that i'm trying to wrap my head around like i've heard I've heard that it's also used in other systems and uh, like this uh, sure. a- a- encoding scheme. Let's, let's get into the technical stuff. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, the um, where where should I start? Um, I think with still uh, I was still thinking about ABCIA <laughs> to be honest, but it's okay because. It leads us exactly um, 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 there because for me Celestia is like the continue like the logical continuation or like evolution of what like ABCI also enabled. You you mentioned that um, with ABCI you can like basically put on top of Tenement, which is like a consensus engine that doesn't all- also tenement doesn't know what the transactions are right like it's just blobs from the from the software point of view the transactions that go into Tendermint are just blobs and the tra- the the application on top of Tenement is what decides if these are valid or not. Um, so Celestia is exactly that, but like instead of in software, it detangles that into different like chains, literally. Um, so what Tendermint does is also just ordering and consensus, and in some way or the other, is like also doing data availability. Um, if you think about, uh, you could very much build build an application on top of Tendermint. Where any transaction that is posted, you just accept, you just include them in the block, and then in the next block, you the the application commits to the state root of the transactions of the previous block. So that's that's a that's a implementation specific to to Tendermint, where the transactions of one block um, materialize in the state root only in the next block, right? And 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 if you think about it, Celestia, uh, you could think about Celestia doing that, but instead of like one block apart, it does it into different chains, right, like into different uh, uh, layers, essentially. Um, so, what Celestia does uh, is it orders blobs of data, uh, like tenement, but uh, it takes these, like, you, you have to submit the data from, from basically an application, And um, the only thing that it does, you pay for the transaction for the inclusion of the data, and what you gain from that is ordering of these transactions, right? Like that's usually what you call consensus. You have like data, you agree uh, according to some rules. We use tenements, so it's like that are the rules. um, It's like BFT consensus. Uh, You agree on the order of these of these blobs essentially, and. what is like data availability is is uh, one core component um, for for building decentralized applications. It means that the data that um, if you if if a block producer produces a block, right? Um, to be able to recompute the state, um, you need the data, and so it's like data the data availability uh, problem, so to say, is how do you guarantee that uh, a, a, a block that was produced, let's say I, I you're a light client, I give you a header, like how do you make sure that the data um, belonging to that header was also published to the network? And why that's important is like, first of all, you needed to recompute the state, but also if you're a light client, um, how do you know without downloading all the transactions, um, how do you know that the state route in there is actually valid um, like how do you know the transactions that were included in a block were actually all valid um, and one way to solve this is, is via so-called state fraud proofs and we will we will use those for um, roll-ups uh, for instance um, they are basically an, like a alerting mechanism where a full node can tell a light node, uh, can tell a light client um, here's a small proof that this this header that you saw, is actually invalid. Um, did like the block producer, the block producer could be like a two thirds majority on tenement over like in Bitcoin, the, the next miner or something, right? The block producer produced a header and the, the, um, the, uh, headers actually, or the data behind it includes invalid transactions. And f- for that, you need the data actually to be available, right? Like it needs to be, um, uh, published to the network. And how do you guarantee that? Um, if we go back to tenement, uh, how we guarantee the tenement is you publish the block, and then um, it's it is, is like the the for for light clients there's no such mechanism. You you're trusting you're operating on an under an honest majority assumption. But for full nodes, they just download the whole block, right? Like then you are sure that it's been published because because you download all the transactions, you replay them. You match it with the with the proposal, so to say, or with the header, and you can be sure that uh, um, that the uh, um, uh, 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 that the data is available because you downloaded it. And you said uh, you mentioned erasure coding or and uh, data availability sampling. These are techniques um, to make it such that instead of forcing everyone to have, um, if you want, uh, like security, the same as a full node, and, um, w- and you don't have the bandwidth, or you just don't want to download the whole block to verify that, like, how do you go about it? Um, um, and, and, and one technique to do so is like these data availability proofs, which is or sometimes called data availability sampling. So it's like a verifiable way you can locally verify that the block has been published. That the block that the header you've seen, the, the, the block data behind it has been published without downloading the whole block. And um, you only need to download a tiny portion of the block. And that sounds kind of impossible, but the technique that you use um, to, to make it feasible and possible is uh, uh, data availability sampling. And the erasure coding, um, how that works is. I mean, we all know CD-ROMs or CDs, um, um, and so or yeah, basically you remember. I mean, most of our listeners probably still know what a CD is, (laughs) but I hope so. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So, on on CDs or CD-ROMs, like even if you scratch them a bit, you can still recover the whole data, right? Like, um, they use a technique which called erasure coding, so that you can lose a certain percentage of the data. You can like adjust the parameters you can lose like up to half of the data for instance, and be still able to to recover the original data um and this is exactly what we do the parameters that we use are exactly that like you can lo- lose up to fifty percent you add parity bytes to to the original like uh, data and um, and then you sample um. Uh, arbitrary chunks so by by doubling the size you only have to like uh, uh, so, so by sampling the block you have very quickly you gain a, a high probability of um, of um, of the like you gain assurance that the block producer is not withholding the data to you um, and how it, how it works in in, in, in more detail. Is instead of just um, erasure coding the data, uh, um, uh, as I mentioned, you just add fifty percent. Uh, you basically double the data and you add uh, uh, um, um, the same amount of parity bytes. You actually, um, we actually erasure coded multiple times. Um, we like. Uh, put it in a square, and then we erasure code it uh, uh, once to the right, and then the uh, column wise as well. And then again, um, uh, a mix of those. And um, the reason for that is that you also want to guarantee that um, the erasure coding is done correctly. And you want to be able to not trust the validator set to do the erasure coding correctly, because that is also an attack vector, right? Like you want mm. um, you want um, light clients to be able to get like a small proof that proves that if in in, in, in case the the validators have gone wrong, like it's, it's, it's also like not acting in your best interest, so to say. You want assurance that the um, um, that light clients can be notified and. Um, I don't know if it's like it's like easy to explain this without like drawing something or or uh, um, 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 yeah without like visualizing it some way. But like the 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 simple way to think about it, you add these parity bytes, and with that, you increase the probability uh, with every sample request that you make, and only down like a tiny portion of of the data with every time you do this you gain more and more confidence that the data is not be folded to you. And this mm. two-dimensional scheme that I described is more, is only there such that um, um, uh, even as a light client, you don't have to download the whole data if someone, uh, like if block producers produce a block with an invalid erasure coding. Okay. I don't know. Let's confusing maybe, I, Yeah. yeah. No, um, no, I'd like
0: to maybe try to like break things down a little bit into separate parts. So. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I've got a project, like I, I want to launch my own blockchain. Um, mm-hmm. what I would, what I would do today is I'd probably, um, uh, like, you know, clone, uh, the Cosmos SDK. I would build my application using the Cosmos SDK. I would go out and find a bunch of validators or sometime, Use Cosmos's uh, interchain security, secure my chain, and um, I'm, I'm posting transactions. To, uh, block producers are, are the validators, and, and they're posting transactions to the chain, um, and that that happens like th- they're posting transactions to consensus. So I have a separation between my application, uh, which is a Cosmos uh, SDK app. Um, the the validators that are executing consensus and posting that to the to the tendermint's uh, database like data layer. Uh, in in this uh, paradigm, if if I want to deploy uh, a, a chain like I want to use Celestia instead, um, what I wh- what is what is this execution layer that I would use? Do you have your own execution layer, or, or can I use uh, an EVM? Can I use Cosmos SDK, and then all of them. the, you can use all of them. Okay, yeah. great. I mean, um, um,
1: sorry, yeah, continue.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I guess the, the 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 thing that's unclear is when you're talking about block producers, so the, the block producers are producing blocks um, in the, I guess, in the layer that's on top of Celestia. So like you have this data availability layer that is Celestia that just accepts blobs of data um for participants to be able to check um so those participants would be say like users of that chain so people who have like a wallet uh instead of having to run a full node they can run a light client on their phone and they can simply sample that light client it would just sample data from celestia's data availability data availability there i suppose there's probably like some sort of sdk that allows the um, the the wallets to do that but um, what is the interaction then between the, you know, these light client wallets that um, operate and interact only with the Celestia chain and then the execution layer where there there must be some some validators or block producers at that at that layer, right? Like there's someone's yeah. taking those transactions and ordering them and, and putting them into exactly, blocks yeah. so, that then get sent to Celestia.
1: Yeah, so, so the, the, there isn't just, like, one single answer to this, because you're free to do, like, your um, execution environment, like, it heavily depends on how you implement your sequencer and your execution environment. So, um, but we have one project, which is called Optiment, um, which is like a drop-in replacement of Tenement. So, it adheres exactly to the ABCI interface that you mentioned, and you can build your Cosmos SDK application as before. And then you, I mean, they make it s- sound simpler than it is, but you can do it with scaffolding or like uh, with an IDE or some sorts. Um, it basically replaces the imports, removes tenement, replaces it with uh, uh, OptiMint. And then this this software is what users directly interact with. So if they if they just run like a, a very simple wallet, they, they use an API, they submit their transactions, and that's it, like from the user point of view, nothing changes. Like, they submit the transactions, uh, get confirmation for will be included. Um, the block will be produced, they, they can check against the root, and um, they're done essentially. But, like, um, I think the more interesting part, the the the, the thing that you were that you asked many questions, right? Like, but I think. Um, so one approach to build an application is, exactly as I mentioned before, um, you, you, you uh, use the Cosmos SDK, you um, build your application logic using the Cosmos SDK, and then uh, deploy it as a sovereign rollup um, um, that uses Optimant as a sequencer, which is basically like a block producer, right? Um, which takes the... So uh,
0: Optimant here replaces Tendermint.
1: Exactly yeah
0: right so you could use like cosmos sdk with Optiment. exactly okay
1: and um. Optiment takes like produces a block takes that block submits it to celestia and then our uh, our light clients can go check first of all the 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 like inclusion of a transaction or something in t- against the header of the of the rollup block but they can also check that the block was included um uh uh, uh in, in the in the in the celestia block as well right and that gives them the, the assurance that if something malicious was going on um in that rollup block now if like in the role they see the rollup header and um but because it is guaranteed that the data is available someone could produce a fraud proof for them but that's only in the in the uh rare case that a fraud actually happens right like it's on some 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 malicious uh, block producer um, tries to see funds or something right like then then in that case you can like re- re- like you can generate a fraud proof and um, depending on how you how your rollup operates, like if it has a single centralized sequencer, it might actually be very easy right like to compromise that sequencer, someone tries to see funds for something and it might be easier to compromise like one central sequencer than, than uh, a, a large validator set of like well-established companies that know how to operate uh, in, a, in, a, in a Byzantine environment, right? So it's actually very necessary to have these these fraud proofs. Um, um, but you could also, and we are also working on this internally to make Optimant not only a single sequencer software, but um, like a, for, for centralized sequencing. Uh, and fraud proofs, but instead, we are also um, um, trying to make it that you can have similar to Tenement where you bond stake, I mean, on the application layer, you bond stake, but uh, it boils down to some kind of voting power that Tenement sees, similar to that mechanism that Tenement uses for like round robinish, weighted round robinish, weighted by voting power. Um, leader selection, you could do something similar on the rollup, right? Like you can have uh, decentralized sequencers. You can have like maybe a few hundred even, or maybe even an unlimited number where you like, uh, depending on how you implement it, you could have like much more uh, sequencers and um, they can produce blocks. And because of the state fraud proofs that I mentioned, you could like remove them, uh, you could ignore an invalid block and remove them and slash them because they bond at stake, right? Um,
0: so, so the, the 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 only advantage here of having multiple sequencers is, um, is for censorship resistant. Exactly, so censorship yeah. resistance, right? So, like, you you can trust, you can always trust, um, one sequencer because you're able to do these prod proofs. But yeah, the you don't need to trust them. You can
1: rely on the security right. of can, the whole system to. That's right. Yeah.
0: So having multiple sequencers essentially, a, um, of provides censorship resistance because then at that point you're not only trusting one sequencer so it, yeah it, no, yeah not
1: only censorship resistance but also it guarantees you liveness, right like in intenement if like a block proposer is yeah not sorry available, the, it's like the, it's not it's the, not online uh, you you go to the next round and the next round like it, you you eventually would try another block proposal right like another leader and um, that would be the same in the in the roll-up case if you have multiple leaders so it's like it guarantees okay. you liveness of the rollup and Maybe some sort of censorship resistance.
0: Yeah, yeah. I sent for me like censorship resistance and liveness is like if you turn off the system, you basically censor. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, but seems, yeah I, see, that's... I see. what you mean, and, and like, yeah, that's what, that's the way I see it. So okay, so so Celestia optimizes for for integrity of data and not so much for liveness, but you you arrive at liveness by in, by individual applications increasing the number of um, of uh, sequencers, um, but then. You you know as an application then at that point you have to create the right incentive structures to uh, make sure that if you have multiple sequencers that they don't all go offline. So you could you have a slashing mechanism there that uh, makes it such that if you're offline or if like all the sequencers collude to go offline, they lose their bond.
1: I mean, if they all go offline, um, I think (laughs) then you have to. So, so, so first of all, like how, if, if everyone can be a sequencer, right? Like if everyone just needs to bond tokens and they can propose a block, um, this won't really happen unless like no one cares right. about the chain. Right. Yeah. But so um, so, then, so
0: you know, then the barrier to enter, to be a sequencer is say, lower than, than being a validator on cosmos, like, or on a cosmos chain, I guess I'm trying to understand what is the, what is the real benefit of using a system like Celestia when you could launch a Cosmos chain? Like, hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> um, is I think the, the benefit that you just don't need to have this robust infrastructure of validators um, because a sequencer is essentially like a very simple. Um, it's it's quite easy to be a sequencer. Like you could do it from say a laptop or. Uh, what, yeah, what are the original
1: browser, browser essentially? I mean, but like, I think, I think what we will see is infrastructure that um, people can focus on building their applications, and there will be multiple service providers that provide these like sequencers or um, different execution environments. So I only touched on the optimum and the SDK case, but like I can go and explain the other other two options that we are talking that we the, that we are working on internally as well but yeah. um i think eventually there will be you can imagine the future that we want to see is someone writes an application deploys that code on a service provider clicks a button and then the chain is is, is live and, and running and they can advertise for their chains. Like maybe it's a game or something. You can like go and say like your friends, hey, there's this game or there's this like whatever coordination tool I built and and people can start um, um, using it without any, any, further, any further hassle. And like from the point of view of an application developer, they don't need to care about like all these nuances and details at all. You just like click a button and the thing is deployed. To, similar to uh, uh, today you do it like on on, on AWS or something, right? Um, you yeah. write code, okay. you deploy, done. And then people can start using your stuff. I think that's the main benefit. But that's that's still a long way to go, right? Like the, the core infrastructure will be there, but then you have to make it such that it's like actually a, a very nice developer experience. And But it will be... Um, I think that part is actually the easier part to build. Because like once you have the infrastructure in place, you can start building these, these uh, uh, making it like super frictionless for developers. And then for users, as, as mentioned before, for them, it's just like using any other decentralized application. Um, okay. Going back to the other execution environments, um, you sure. mentioned the EVM, for instance. So we're also working on uh, basically what we, what we're working on is like Ethermint on top of OptiMint. Um but as a settlement layer. Um, so what that means is it will enable you, for instance, to deploy Ethereum rollups on top of that settlement layer, and these Ethereum rollups they can use these this this EVM-based settlement layer that is based on Ethermin um and Optimant. They can use that to like bridge between each other, right? Like you can have Celestia is a base layer, and then on top of that, you have a settlement layer. And um, that's an EVM chain, an EVM rollup. And on top of that, you have more uh, EVM based rollups that, like today, like on Ethereum rollups today, uh, settle on that settlement rollup instead of on Ethereum. So that's another, like, that's another, uh, uh um, Deployment strategy that we're working on internally as well. So for solidity devs, I think um, this will be very appealing. Once the infrastructure is there, they can just go and deploy their smart contracts on either a rollup. Yeah, basically they can de- deploy on a rollup on top, and they that that can build its own its own ecosystem basically. That is that is like an EVM ecosystem, like EVM based ecosystem, on top of that settlement uh, EVM rollup, right?
0: Mm. Okay, no, that's that's interesting so uh, how does the um, so how does one pay to use Celestia um, and so at the like the application layer these are roll-ups when they post transactions do the roll-ups need to have like a treasury of tokens that they use to pay to use the network and yeah generally like how does Celestia scale and like fight against spam and, and things like this
1: um, so first of all, yeah, the applications need to pay like every transaction that you submit, like any transaction data carrying transaction that you submit to Celestia, you'll need to pay for it. And of course, then the applications need to, yeah, for the inclusion of their data, they need to uh, pay for that as well. So, but like how you do it exactly, again, is up to the particular execution environment. It could it could be in some way that like you, you give it to the users, basically, the users have to like, uh, a funder wallets additionally with that token, so or the users would like, have
0: to have Celestia tokens in addition. That's to one like option. The token of the roll-up that they're using, for instance.
1: That's one option. That's probably the more like unlikely scenario, but that's one option. The more likely scenario is that like it will happen mm-hmm. in a layer below that like the user is not involved. They pay in their like native uh, token for whatever like the chain does, like right, like as as you do on a, on a on a Cosmos chain, uh, for instance, you only care about like the native token. Um, but on the lower layer, there's like a sequencer that is like needs to be funded in some way with like Celestia tokens for the inclusion and batches it. How it gets funded exactly again is up to the, maybe there's like a community pool or maybe there's a treasury as you said, like there's there's so many options. Um, it's not something I thought much about to be honest, but. Um, I think that's the, that's a very simple problem. And how do you fight spam is like on any other blockchain, right? Like you, there's like a fee market and, um, the more, the more users use, the more the fees increase as well. Um, um, yeah, basically that's it. Like you, you fight spam by increasing the fees. If there's like high usage, if you see high usage, yeah.
0: And, and how, how to, to how many, like, transactions can Celestia scale? Maybe transactions isn't the right um, term because like your, yeah, yeah, or measurement because your roll up, you know, could be producing so many transactions and you have like, you know, Mm. thousands of roll ups maybe building on top of Celestia. Is it, it's like how many proofs can Celestia handle per second? Is that the better measurement? No,
1: I I think like at the base layer, you would rather look at like how many bytes per second Right, like the transactions right. okay. or the transactions of the rollups, they are like put together into blocks or or like like some form of blocks, and they submit it to Celestia. So maybe your rollup can do like a few thousand transactions, and then uh, there's like a few a few kilobyte or megabyte uh, data that you submit onto onto uh, 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 Celestia, and then it boils down to how many bytes can currently Tendermint handle um, um, per second, essentially, like because that's, that's
0: the is a tenement chain. It's like, it it's is, it's a tenement, tenement chain. chain. Yeah, exactly. So how, but how, like how, we, how many bytes can it handle?
1: That's a good question. We didn't measure it yet, but like I, we have plans to, so the, the nice thing about that modular stack is like, once you have that, once you have like specialized layers, you can like optimize the base layer for throughput for like data throughput essentially. And we have some ideas, like very concrete ideas, how to increase that throughput um, to a very high level. It's like there's a there's a paper that introduces like internal node sharding. It's a very simple form uh, of sharding. You could think of it as like pure data sharding, um, basically as you would shard a, a centralized uh, 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 database in cloud, right? Like you, um, the that's that's something. Post launch, not not immediately. I think we won't. I don't think we'll see any bottleneck uh, immediately um, after launch. Like it would mean. I'm pretty sure Tenement can easily handle. Uh, um, I don't know. Let's say, um, at least like four to eight megabytes per minute. <laughs> That's like uh, 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 like four megabytes blocks uh, if you. If you do a block every thirty seconds, um, that's like roughly how we think about it right now, right? Like, uh, I think that's that's already feasible, and I think that gives us enough time. I mean, look at the at like block sizes right now; they're not too huge, right? Like blocks are like what a few kilobytes most most of the time. So it's like it gives us um, enough time to uh, optimize for throughput until we actually hit a scalability bottleneck on, on that layer. And it's very, as I said, because it's very specialized, it's like, um, you can focus on that one problem. It's very, like, it, it's easier to solve than solving it all, right? Like you have to, when you increase throughput on other chains, you'll have basically the same, the, the, you, you also increase the execution usually. And you have that problem that you have to, scale both. And then in, in this case, you only need to scale throughput. And I'm very, very optimistic. Or I, I actually, I'm, I'm 100% sure that we can, like, uh increase the throughput there to levels that are, yeah, that that easily can handle global state, uh, like global scale, sorry. <laughs>
0: OK, um, yeah. I don't know. Like Transaction-wise,
1: that... it doesn't make much sense. Like, tr- yeah. transactions per second, I don't know, a few hundred thousand, I'd say if you measure all the transactions or like the roll ups on top.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, it's it's a better measurement to think about it in you know, payload per, per second. Like, mm. um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say quantify, I think like what will be the maximum amount if you, you know, consider that every um, execution layer is using their own um, sort of like execution layer and might have, you know, parameters that make it such that some execution layers are handling more transactions than others. But um, yeah, let's maybe talk about the, the, this testnet that um, you guys recently launched. Uh, what have you? How long has it been since you've launched it? And what have you learned since well, uh, running this live network? So it's yeah, not well, the
1: first testnet that we've launched. We launched previously in back in November, December last year, we launched a testnet. We called it DevNet. It was like an internal testnet launch. And it already had like the like the basic components, but like what this testnet adds is um, first of all the, the the there are less bugs in the in the in the in the in the data availability layer, but like on the data availability software itself, um, so it's like more hardened and like the usual um, like software improvements, so to say. But like what it adds is a single API that developers can use to to uh, build applications right like for instance we have this the settlement layer that I mentioned that like is basically etherment on top of uh, like using optimant and on top of Celestia we have that actually running on on that test net um, so it's producing blocks uh, like metamask integration and and uh, yeah that 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 uh, like I think that's the main difference is that API that exists now um, what did we learn um so we 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 switched to using the latest Tendermint version and uh, usually I think like I take it for granted that the Tendermint just works but this time because the Tendermint team has like rewritten the peer to peer layer there were like many issues uh, I think that the, the 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 main issues we've seen on the testnet were bugs on the like on the new peer to peer layer or at least they bubble up in our network because we will have like these longer block times but I've heard that like other chains like I think penumbra is also using the, this this tenement release, and there was another project oasis I think like they all had similar issues, so I guess we learned uh that we can't take this for granted and we've been we've been uh working with the tenement team to like resolve some issues and debugging there um yeah I think that was um 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 like one, one, one big learning point there. But uh, other than that, I think that the, the chains like stabilized after some like initial, initial hiccups, but it's mostly stabilized because our validators were like very creative. And like they've seen spikes in, in peer lists and what they've done, like, and it wasn't, it wasn't obvious where it's come from, and it uh, must have been something on the peer-to-peer layer. It might be like a memory leak or something. What they do is they restart their, they restart their validators every hour or something, which is obviously a hack, right? But like, that's why the testnet stabilized. Um, but like, without going into much detail on like the the side, um, I think for. The main thing, as I said, is like you can like play around with the testnet and start deploying like experimenting and deploying applications. But it's still a very uh, this API is very basic. Like it allows you to submit these data carrying transactions and um, listen for new headers essentially. Um, um, and and do this like data availability sampling. And that's 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 basically it. Oh, and of course you can you you can download your application-specific data, so you can submit it and you can read it. Right? Um, every 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 application in Celestia has like a namespace, so you you, you submit your data um, associated with the namespace, and then you can read it. Like in, you can say like, give me all data that was included in that block with that particular namespace. Right? Um, um, so that's 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 so um, basic maybe that like for application developers, it's not, it won't be enough. Application developers will need something like, here's a tutorial, how to, how to use optimum and deploy your own chain. Here's a tutorial, how you can like deploy your Solidity smart contract as an EVM chain on top of Celestia and like things like these, they, they are still evolving. But, uh, if you would want to write a sequencer, if you would want to. I don't know. Deploy, um, let's say, Substrate on 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 Celestia, right? Like in a Substrate-based execution environment. You can do that today. It's like the learning curve is like a bit steep. It's not as frictionless. It's not the one-click thing that I mentioned before. But you can start experimenting with it. Like that's that's what the testnet gives you.
0: Cool. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I want to. Come back maybe a little bit as as we come towards the end here to to cosmos and like
1: um,
0: Cel- Celestia is like very much tied I feel like to the cosmos ecosystem you know from you know your uh, contributions to, to to cosmos and, and Tendermint and and also you you were funded by the Interchain Foundation or partly funded by the Interchain Foundation um, how how does Celestia align with the uh, the interchain vision, um, and is there is there a roadmap here for because like it, it feels like you know in in a world where uh, you want to have ease of deployment of chains um, interoperability I mean we didn't talk about this but I I guess um, in, any rollup can interoperate with any other rollup using IBC. Um, is there is there a a roadmap to like replace your your cosmos chains uh set and uh and um um and consensus with celestia consensus um how how do these two approaches compete and are they meant to be complementary or more competing
1: i think it's more complementary um in the sense that um, it's an alternative approach. You could think of it as an alternative approach to interchange staking, right? If you If you use interchange staking, you have like direct interoperability. It's very like it's, it's, it's very clear how you like interoperate with like IBC and and, and, and all these chains. It's actually m- more nuanced. Uh, you can't even if you do use OptiMint and the Cosmos SDK, um, modules to build an application on top of Celestia is not—you can't take uh, actually IBC for granted because you would need to to like to talk to other rollups. You would need either a settlement layer like something that I mentioned before, like it needs to exist where you can like set like you can basically use that to bridge and resolve disputes, or your IBC client that doesn't exist yet. Like there is no implementation of this, but like there needs to be some form of optimistic. Uh, IBC client that allows for state proofs, which also means it's it's a bit tricky, because it means that your IBC client suddenly needs to be able to execute transactions from the chain you're talking to. That that's, um, that's a bit tricky. Um, Yeah, so that's, that's definitely a challenge that we but we're working on that as well. Um, It's definitely easier with like a settlement layer. So if you use, you could think of like cosmosm chains, and you have like a cosmosm uh, settlement layer, then you could use that, right? Um, 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 Yeah. So 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 that's about IBC and interoperability. I just wanted to mention that. And um, there 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 won't be. It's not like an upgrade path from a cosmos chain to a Celestia chain. First of all, like. uh, I think what would be what would be the reasons for like a Cosmos chain to to switch to Celestia and replace your validator set? Um, the reasons could be that is like it goes against your core business model, right? You're not focused because like you 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 currently have to like maintain a validator set, maintain the delegation program, and and so on and so forth. If that is something you don't want, then yes, you can replace it um, and and become a rollup on on Celestia. Sure. Um, but um, yeah, uh, asking so so asking how it's aligned with the Cosmos vision. Um, there was also a question you asked, right? Like, I think it's 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 more or less the same vision. Like, it's it's a very aligned in the sense that we also see a future of like application specific chains. Um, but you can think of you could think of. Um, um, I think Mustafa has a very good blog post on this about like clusters. Where you have like clusters of chains or clusters of, of uh, 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 communities or ecosystems, basically. Where in these ecosystems, you have like an honest majority uh, assumption. Like, uh, for instance, like IBC chains connected to each other uh, are, are clusters, uh, are one cluster. And then you have like a, a cluster of, of uh, uh, um, 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 I don't know, uh, uh, EVM rollups on top of Celestia, for instance. And um, so I think it's like an extension to the original vision where you have an alternative deployment uh, a mechanism that potentially is much simpler uh, for uh, uh, application developers than running your own chain. I think that's that's the, the TLDR here.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I, I also see it in this... Well, I'm starting to see it in this way, where it's it's an alternative to interchain security, and it's going to be up to individual chains to decide where they want to deploy and where they're where they're like in what cluster they want to be. Like if they want to be closer to these applications here on like the Celestia cluster or on the Cosmos cluster or like in, you know in the um, in the if you extend it like the Polkadot cluster or or like the FMOS uh, cluster. And um, yeah, and then it's just about like, where do you have, um, where where do you have the, the the bridges to like bridge between, like bridge liquidity between those clusters? Um, yes, and it's, it might also yeah. be
1: a cost question, right? Like uh, communities might decide to redeploy somewhere else because it became, Too expensive, or it became too um, too crowded, or I don't know. Like there could be reasons Mm. to migrate, or politically contentious. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, maybe maybe (laughs) not aligned with the hub or something, right? That that Mm. could all. There could be various reasons. Yeah, Yeah. this is actually a very good point. You could like misalignment of incentives, where you would say like, okay, I don't agree with with this this. uh, this community anymore essentially and I want I want to be more more sovereign, more more have more freedom of my own. Because like the Celestia validators will never like will never interact with your transactions. They don't know what they are.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 No, this is um this is really interesting. And um I mean I guess there's also like other other projects are are, are moving in this direction so you know ethereum 2.0 uh, is is moving into this like data availability data availability direction and um i'm curious if you're familiar with i, I interviewed a couple weeks ago redstone and they're using um uh, basically like our weave to as the data availability there and they've built like this smart contract language for our weave and they're um they're doing like they're, they're, they're building infrastructure that achieves similar goals to Celestia, but they're building it and using like weave as an underlying uh, uh, data so layer. So my
1: understanding my understanding is weave is more like a, a, a data storage layer than like yeah. a data availability layer in the sense. So of course you could build an execution environment of, on, on top of a storage layer, but you won't have the same, like you won't have uh, data availability proofs of, of sorts, right? Like you won't have the possibility to, have assurance that a validator set uh, included your data, ordered it, and published it in the same way without downloading, or like for light lines, without downloading all that data. Uh, if, if you assume everyone is running a full node, like this approach is, is totally fine, right? Like you can you could uh, uh, just say, okay, I dump my data on our weave, everyone downloads it from our weave. And then also it's great for historical data, right? Like in, on our weave, you have like a guarantee of, of yeah. the data to be, be kept uh, uh, downloadable, so to say, retrievable. Um, that's also it's also a nice property, but it's 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 very orthogonal to like in there's obviously an overlap, but like it's very orthogonal to what we're trying to build, which is more exactly this like um, you are uh, able to run like light like clients, um, and also light like clients can actively like serve this data as well, and and and, and basically. Um, secure the network in that sense,
0: right? Yeah. so where, where should people learn to go where should people go to learn more about Celestia? And um, oh def- yeah, what would you what would you like people to uh, what's your call to action here?
1: So definitely visit our like if you want to learn more, um, visit our homepage celestia.org and um, orG and uh, there's uh, there's like a resource page. And an FAQ. Like, if I confused you on this or this podcast, I very much recommend you to, to visit that uh, uh, like the resource page or the FAQ. It's very, uh, uh, um, yeah, very 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 uh, comprehensive. And um, call to action. I mean, if you're intrigued by like the modular stack, and um, if you have like a favorite execution environment. That you want to see on top of Celestia, I very much like encourage you to have a look onto our APIs and our like documentation. It's still very early. It might you might have a hard time and like digging through everything. But like we have also a page called docs celestia.org. And um, but I would like I would ask developers, particularly protocol developers, um, to have a look and build out infrastructure on top of Celestia, yeah. I think like now is the right time to start building, even though it might be not as frictionless as I described, but this could be a business model to make it as frictionless as possible, where like developers can literally just write code in whatever favorite programming language or whatever favorite execution environment they want, deploy it and um, um and yeah and done. <laughs>
0: Cool. Well, uh, yeah, well, I'll link to uh, the website and the documentation and some of the blog posts you mentioned uh, in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure chatting, and hopefully, I'll see you in uh, in Paris for for Nebula Summit I'll uh, try. once again. If um, if uh, our listeners are interested in attending a Nebula Summit, you definitely should. Uh, the tickets are available at nebular.paris. So, thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you very much. See you soon.